most of you guys know, uh, if you go to the refuge or if you have been to the refuge on Easter before, this obviously is a Resurrection Sunday that's very unusual for us because typically speaking, um, we've got some kind of backdrop and stones and props and all sorts of stuff. And, and I was thinking about that, honestly, when we were coming up on this, I was kind of hoping we would be able to be back to church, but as it was coming up and I was realizing that that wasn't really going to happen, uh, I was trying to think of something to do here, but we, we've got this very small area that we are to work in, and so I was trying to figure something out, and I really felt prompted this year that, that God really kind of spoke to my heart, and he said, this year, I want you to keep it very simple, and I want you to, to say it very clearly. And so that's what I'm going to try to do today, to keep it very simple and to speak it very clearly. See, because the days that we're living in, if you're a follower of Christ and you know anything about the Word of God, if you're not really a follower of Christ, don't tune me out because this message is going to be for you today. If, if, you know, if there's anything that we know about the Scriptures, that if we look at the world right now, we're going to see that we are living in the end times. Now, here's the thing. I, I've been in the church essentially since I was seven years old, and, and, I, and I'm, I'm almost 50. And, and uh, this year, I'm not, I'm not bummed about turning 50 this year because I've been working really hard to get to 50 this year, and so I'm looking forward to that. But since I was seven years old, I've been hearing that Jesus is coming soon. But in the days that we're living in right now, there is such an amplification of the things that are going on in the world that it seems as if we are in the end times of the end times. And, and we need to understand that we need to be in a relationship with Jesus because when he comes for us, then we need to be ready for him. And if we're not ready for him, then there's a lot of really horrible things that are going to happen here. I know this isn't your typical Easter message, but I, I'm just going to say it the way that I felt like I needed to bring it this morning. And so... Uh, so the message I want to bring is really sort of with a, a little bit of, I actually had considered just sort of begging you to come to Christ today if you, if you were watching and you don't know Jesus, because it's that important in the days that we're living in. And so with, with that said, I want to talk about today what I'm calling the new normal, the new normal. Uh, I remember the first time that I heard that phrase, the new normal, uh, was on 9-11. And 9-11, for most of us, I think, is one of those days that sort of burns in your memory. I know that some people that were kind of alive in the 60s, it's like when JFK was shot, uh, that, that's seared into your memory. And, and you remember exactly where you were, you remember what you were doing, you remember what you were saying. Uh, for me, there's a couple main things that really stick out to me that are seared in my in my being like that. One of them is when the, when the space shuttle exploded the first time. I remember sitting in an algebra class, and we were in the middle of algebra, which I hated, and somebody rolled a TV into the room just out of nowhere, and they said the space shuttle exploded, and we plugged that in. We watched all the aftermath of that. I remember the second time that something was really burned into my life like that was on 9-11. I was working for Wonder Bread at that time, and I was putting Twinkies on a shelf, and one of the other uh, salespeople that were there early in the morning came by and he said, did you hear what happened uh, in, with the Twin Towers? And I, I 
really didn't register with me what he was saying. And as I went throughout the day, I was in another stop, and I, they had a bunch of TVs in there. And I looked up, and I saw them collapsing. And, and I, I remember exactly what I was doing. I mean, I literally remember putting Twinkies on the shelf when he told me that. And I remember just after 9-11, I was watching all the news broadcasts and all of that stuff, and, and they kept talking about a new normal. They said, after this day, things will never go back to the same way ever again. And I've been hearing that phrase a lot over the last few weeks in re regards to the coronavirus and, and how people are saying there's a new normal. Now, now you know, they, they're saying all sorts of things like we, we, it may never be right to shake hands again. We don't know what the future is going to look like with a pandemic that's worldwide like this. We don't know what the future is going to look like. And the thing about that is, is that when they talk about the new normal, typically speaking, that's really focused on some negative thing. There, there, there's a, a tragedy that has happened. There's a pandemic that's sweeping over the land. And they're talking about the new normal that we need to get used to. But I was considering as I was getting ready for this message that this, this Resurrection Sunday is all about a new normal. It's about a new normal of a life that we're supposed to be living. It's about a new normal. The whole world, everything changed the moment that Jesus came up out of that grave. There was a new normal. And there's so many people that are just living the normal. They're living what they've always lived, and they think that's the way it always got to be. But I'm here to tell you today that there's a new normal in Jesus, and he wants us all to walk in that new normal. And so my bottom line for this, if you are in your notes, my bottom line is this. The new normal in Christ is a future of love and life. The new normal in Christ is a future of love and life. So if you're in your, in your notes, point number one, love is the new normal. See, I want to talk today, I don't want to talk about coronavirus being the new normal. I, I'm, I'm getting to the point where I'm tired of hearing about the coronavirus. I'm tired of hearing about all that. I, I'm, I'm, ready, I'm ready to hear some good news. And the good news today is that love is the new normal. So see, when Jesus died, you know, on Friday we were, we were doing a little bit of worship here and we were reflecting on how Jesus died on the cross. And when he died on the cross, not only did he die on the cross, but the hopes of, of the disciples, of his followers, the dreams of his disciples... Those that were following, those that had put their hope and their life in Jesus, those hopes and dreams, they died with him as well. Because when Jesus would say, and Jesus said it all throughout his ministry, he would say, there's going to be a time when the Son of Man is going to be arrested and he's going to be beaten and he's going to be crucified and he's going to die on a cross. But he would always follow that up by saying, but don't worry about that because on the third day after that, I'm going to be back. But the problem is he would always say, I'm going to be back. But his disciples never really would catch on to that. And, and they would argue with Jesus. I remember one time, if you've read these stories in the scriptures, Jesus says, they're going to come and they're going to arrest me and they're going to kill me. And Peter said, no, that's not going to happen. I will not let it happen. And Jesus' response to that was, get away from me, Satan. Get away from me. See, what they didn't understand was this was the plan of God. But when Jesus died on the cross, their hopes and their dreams and all of that died with him. They thought. And so when, when he goes into the cross, their sense of normal was knocked all out of whack. Because for the previous three and a half years, Jesus had been talking to them about the kingdom. 
And he said the kingdom of God is righteousness and peace and joy and power. And he would, he would not only talk about the kingdom, but he would do miracles that backed up the kingdom. He would teach the kingdom. He would live the kingdom. He would model the kingdom. And everybody looked to Jesus as that, 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 that bastion of what the kingdom was all about. And they'd follow him. And they thought this is the way that we're going to make something happen in the world. And then when Jesus died on the cross, that sense of normalcy that they had for the last three and a half years died on the cross with him. So they thought. But see, they didn't really truly understand why Jesus had to die. And here's what I'm going to ask you to really focus in on what it is I'm saying this morning. Because just like the disciples didn't understand it and they had to come to an understanding, we also have to understand very clearly why it is that Jesus had to die. And when I say he had to die, in fact, in my notes, I've got had in capital letters to make sure that I say it in that way. He had to die. So why did he have to die? He had to die because there is a truth that is in this world. And the truth that is in this world is this. Romans 6, verse 23, says it this way. The wages of sin is death. The wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Now, we're going to talk about that in a minute. Why is eternal life in Christ Jesus? We're going to talk about that. But I want, to, I want to make this very clear this morning. Because here's the deal. Resurrection Sunday is not a celebration unless you understand what the celebration is about. If you don't understand what the celebration is about, then this is just another Sunday. This is just a bunch of other songs that we're singing. This, this morning when we came into practice... We are singing through these songs, and I'm just like, these songs are just, they're, they're amazing. This, this is one of the greatest sets of songs that we've done. Why is that? The reason for that is because I understand what's going on behind the scenes of all those lyrics that we're singing. He borrowed a tomb for three days, but he came out up out of it. That's exciting. That, that my sin and my shame kept me from God, but because of Jesus, that's all been taken care of. That's exciting. See, but the problem is if you don't understand the, 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 the bad side of it, you can't understand the celebration. If you don't understand the cost, you can't understand the celebration. And here's the cost. The wages of sin is death. So here's a reality that we don't really like to talk about in our culture anymore. It's very odd because, as I said, I grew up in the church. And when I was younger, I heard a lot about sin. They talked about sin very often, and they made it very clear that if you live your life in sin, that the penalty for that is death, that the penalty. Now, listen to me. I'm going to get a little bit heavy here for a minute, but don't tune me out. Stay with me because it's going to get good. But see, you can't understand the good until you get through the heavy. So what I, what I was taught, even from when I was a little kid, is that the reality is, and, and, and I know again, I know it's not cool to talk about, it's not, it's not culturally appropriate, it's not politically correct, but the fact of the matter is, the wages of sin is death. And if we die in our sin, there is a place called hell. There is a place called hell. Well, that's not very exciting, Tom. I want to hear about the resurrection and the good stuff. I'm getting there. But we have to understand, there is a place called hell. And the wages of sin is death. So if we die in our sin, we are going to go to a place called hell. And people say, and, and this is just my thoughts, and they may, may or may not be right. 
But people say, well, hell would be really bad because hell is a place where you will burn in the, in the fire. That it's the lake of fire and it will be a place of torment and fire. But I'm here to tell you today, whether you understand this or not, the worst part of hell will not be the flames. The worst part of hell will be knowing that you had an opportunity to avoid that place and that that opportunity is now passed. And when you get there, there is no coming out. See, today as you're listening to me, there's an opportunity to avoid all of that. But the, the worst part of being in that place is not the flames. The worst part is being separated from God for eternity and knowing that there is utter hopelessness because at that point there's no turning back. See, that's a reality. We don't want to talk about that because that's heavy. That's scary. That's weird. And, you know, some people say, I don't believe in all of that kind of stuff. Well, here's what I want to say to you today. Your belief or unbelief in the word of God does not affect the truth of what it is. See, truth is truth no matter what it is. Well, I don't want to believe. I don't want to believe all of that because, because I just don't want to or I just don't believe it. Your belief or unbelief does not affect the truth of something. Gravity is a truth. I don't believe in gravity. Well, guess what? I'm still stuck to this carpet right now because gravity is a truth whether I believe in it or not. And the wages of sin is death. It's an eternity separated from God. It's an eternity in torment with hopelessness and nowhere to turn, nowhere to go, and that's where you will be for all eternity. See, that's, that's now, the, the problem is that people will say, well, how could a loving God, how could a loving God send somebody to a place like that? That's the wrong question. It's the completely wrong question. And I'm going to answer that question in just a minute, so don't tune me out. But before I say that, I want to say this, that Jesus came. This is why we celebrate today. We don't celebrate because of a melody. We don't celebrate because of words on a page. We celebrate because there was a real man who was really God who descended and came down to this earth, and he lived a perfect life because you are a sinner, and I am a sinner. And we have no hope of avoiding that place called hell. And yet Jesus came, lived a perfect life, and he was executed as a criminal so that we would not have to pay the wages of sin. He took upon himself the wages of sin. He took upon himself death so that we could have life. He took upon himself sin so that we could be rendered righteous in the eyes of God. And that's good news. And so we get to avoid hell. We get, listen, you can avoid that this morning. If you're watching, listen, one of the things in my mind as I've been praying about this and getting ready for this is that there would be some watching this morning. And you used to follow Christ. You used to have a relationship with him, but you've walked away. You, you, you're, you're one of those, like the Bible talks about, the prodigals. You used to be in with the Father, but you've walked away. And I want to hear, I want to tell you today, specifically, I feel like God's been speaking to me that, about that in just the last two or three days, that if you are a prodigal and you've walked away from God, that you can come back today, that you can come back right now today because he still loves you and he still cares about you because love is the new normal. So let me come back to my question. How could a loving God send somebody to a place like hell? Now, I, I just want to tell you, I'm going to answer that question by not answering the question. Because my answer to that question is I reject the premise of the question. 
Because a loving God does not send anybody to hell. See, we're asking wrong questions. We need to be people that ask better questions. Everybody, if you're watching, just say better questions. We need to ask better questions because how could a loving God send somebody to hell is not a good question. The, the better questions we should be asking are questions like this. Why would a God who has no obligation to care about you or to care about me at all go to such an unbelievable length to keep you out of hell? See, if you end up in that place, you're there because you climbed over God's love. You're there because you climbed over the cross. You're there because you ignored and rejected and, and, and decided that you did not want to have anything to do with the very sacrifice that we, that we celebrate and we remember today, that Jesus died. He was whipped. You know, a lot of times on Resurrection Sunday, we go through all of the stuff that Jesus went through, and I'm not going to do that today. But suffice it to say, he was beaten within an inch of his life with a whip until he was bloody and his bones were sticking out. He was pierced in his side. He had thorns on his head. He was beaten with a stick. He was mocked. He was spit on. They pulled his beard out. They hung him on a cross. They nailed him up there. And the better question is why would a God who has no obligation to you go to such great lengths to keep you out of that place separated from God? A better question is why would Jesus leave heaven and put on the rags of humanity only to be knowingly rejected by the very people that he came to save? See, that's a better question. Answer that one for me. Why would Jesus? See, because Jesus is God. Jesus is not just a man. He's not just a good teacher. He wasn't just a good rabbi. Jesus was fully God and fully man. And so the better question is, why would God leave his throne and come down here and dwell with all of us? Why would he do that? Why would he sacrifice his own life to the people who are going to reject him in the midst of his sacrifice? The very people that he came to save were the ones that nailed him to the cross. That's a better question. A better question is, why would the God of creation be compelled to die a torturous death on a criminal's cross to pay a penalty that you owe and that I owe? That's a better question. Why would he do that? There's no obligation. Not only did Jesus die, but he died a torturous death. Why would he do that to keep you from that place of separation? A better question is, why would God be willing to forgive you and forgive me no matter how many times we sin against him? No matter how many times we ignore the reality of who he is, why would he willingly forgive you? See, some of you today, you might say, well, I, I don't think he can forgive me. I've done too much. I want to let you know today that you have never done too much. Then no matter what you're, well, I came to Jesus and I walked away. You're not too far away this morning. I've been with Jesus over and over and I keep walking away. You're not too far away. I'm trying to walk with Jesus, but I keep falling on my face with my sin and my anger and my pornography and my lies and my cheating and, 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 and my unfaithfulness and all of that. I keep, I keep failing God. Surely he would not forgive me again. And I want to tell you today, you're not too far 
away. So the better questions. When we ask better questions, we come to a better answer. Because the answer to all of these questions is very simple. God would do all of these things. The Father would do all these things. Jesus would do all of these things. Because he loves you. Because love is the new normal. See, the the most famous scripture, most people know this scripture if they don't know another single thing about the Bible. Because you see it behind the goalposts at the football games, and you see it on the sidelines of the basketball games, and you see the people with the headbands. But John chapter 3, verse 16 says, For God, now listen to me. I know that you've all heard this scripture a thousand times, but stop and listen to me this morning. You deserve hell. You deserve torment. The wages of sin is death. But this is God's posture towards you this morning. For God so loved. Love is the new normal. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That whoever, everybody say whoever. Because whoever includes the adulterer. Whoever includes the liar. Whoever includes the immoral, whoever includes the thief and the murderer, whoever, whoever includes everybody, whoever is whoever. So if you are a person and you're breathing and you're listening and you're hearing me today, you are whoever. And it says that whoever believes in him should not perish. See, we deserve to perish. You deserve to perish. I deserve to perish. But that if we believe in him, we should not perish, but we will have eternal life, everlasting life. See, what we are facing in our sin is everlasting death. But in Christ, the gift of God through Jesus Christ is that we have everlasting life. And so if you're in your notes, I wrote this, out of unexplainable love, Jesus came and died on the cross so that the power of sin that rightfully damns us to hell could be broken Once and for all. Out of unexplainable love, Jesus came and he died on the cross so that the power of sin that rightfully damns us to hell could be broken once and for all. Not only is the power of sin and death broken over your life, but the separation of relationship is also wiped away. See, there's an obstacle. We're going to talk about some obstacles in a moment. But the main obstacle between us and God, us and our purpose, us and our destiny, is our sin. And and, and it's the separation between us and our relationship with God is our sin. And not only does it break the power of sin, but it also opens a pathway. We're singing that song this morning, you turn seas into highways. There is a highway that is created through the cross that allows us to cross over from where we are over the chasm of our sin into relationship with God, into relationship, a relationship that is impossible because of our sin. We we realize, we attain, we have a relationship available to us. Well, I I, I think I've messed up, Tom. I don't think I can. You're not too far away this morning. You're not too far away. No matter where you're at, he loves you. He loves you in your sin. Hear me this morning. This morning, there are no props. 
There, there, there's, no, there's no exciting. This is just me speaking to you this morning. He loves you. He loves you in your sin. He loves you in your brokenness. He loves you in your addiction. He loves you in your dysfunction. He loves you in your anger. He loves you in your brokenness. But here's the, here's the, the greatest, the greatest, the greatest manifestation of God's love. See, because people will say, hear me this morning. People will say, the love of, so, of God is so great because he loves me in my sin. The love of God is so great because he loves me in my addiction. The love of God is so great because he loves me in my dysfunction. But that is not the greatest manifestation of God's love. The greatest manifestation of God's love is that he loves you in all of those things, but he loves you so much that he will do anything to get you out of that. Because the, the, there's, there's a certain level of love that goes with, I'll just love you in your mess. But there's a whole nother level of love that says, I'll do whatever it takes to get you out of that. If you're listening this morning and you're watching and you're addicted, Jesus has gone to every length to get you out of that. The Father loves you so much that he's done everything to clear a pathway for you to get out of that. If you think your sin has got you down and you can't get back up that last time, I want you to know that God loves you when you're down flat on your face, but he loves you so much that he wants to come by and pick you up, set you on a rock, clean you off out of the miry clay. The word of God says, I waited patiently for the Lord. He inclined and he heard me. He lifted me up. He set my feet upon a rock. And he wants to do that for you and in you this morning. That's good news. That's the message that we're talking about. But I, but I need to digress a little bit. Let's go back to the cross. Because when Jesus died on the cross, all that I've been talking about today, the disciples weren't really tracking with that. See, we can track with it today because we're looking back at history. But for a moment, I want you to put yourself in Peter's shoes. When he looks up at the cross and he sees that all of his hope, all of his dreams, all of his future is hanging on that cross. And in a moment, he hears the voice of Jesus say, it is finished. And he bows his head and he dies. And I'm, I'm guessing that Peter thought, oh, yeah, it's finished all right. It's definitely finished. Because there's a new normal. All of my hopes are gone. Now I've got to learn how to live without Jesus. I've got to understand that all of his promises are now dead. All of that is all gone. See, in the following hours after Jesus died, what the, Peter and the disciples, what they knew was they took Jesus off the cross. They put him in a tomb. They put a rock in front of the tomb. Now, I don't want to get into all this this year because if you're watching and you're a follower of Christ, this is all the stuff you already know. But it's important. Because the rock that they put in front of the tomb is not, it's not, a little, it's not a little pebble. The rock they put in front of the tomb probably weighed between 2,000 and 3,000 pounds. It weighs more than a ton. Because when you read in the scripture, there, there's a, a theory, a, a, a lie that said that his disciples came and rolled away the stone by themselves. Well, how did they roll away a 2,000-pound stone with, with the Roman soldiers guarding that and sealed by the government so that that thing could not be opened? And you think that those disciples 
who are so fearful that they ran away from the cross are going to come fight the Roman soldiers and roll away that stone? I don't think so. I don't think so. So they rolled the stone in front of the tomb. They sealed it with, with the government seal. They put soldiers around the tomb so that nobody can mess with it. And this is what the disciples thought was the new normal. But what I want to say to you this morning is this, that death is not the norm. Death is not the new normal. You living in your sin and death, that's not normal. See, that's, that, that may be the normal that you're living in right now, but I'm here to tell you today there is a, a new normal. And the new normal is not only love, but my second thing, if you're in your notes, is love, love is the new normal. Point number two is that life is the new normal. See, to live a dead, to live with a dead soul, to live dead in your sin, to live with nothing but I'm going to live and I'm going to die and that's the end of all things, that's not normal. The new normal of Jesus is life. And it's life and life abundantly. See, because in Mark chapter 16 it says this, and, and this is where I've been headed. This is, this is where we go from the dark side to the light. We're going to pull you out of the darkness into the light this morning. Because the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Because three days after they put him in the tomb, three days after they rolled the stone, sealed it with the government seal, three days after the Roman soldiers were, were posted around that thing, the, 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 the ladies were getting ready to come and they were going to anoint the dead body. Now, listen to me this morning. Why were they coming to anoint a dead body? Because they did not believe what Jesus said all throughout his ministry. Because if they had been walking in true faith at that point, they would have understood that when they come to the tomb, he's not going to be there. But watch what happens in Mark chapter 16. It says, when the Sabbath was passed, this is verse 1. When the Sabbath was passed, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, and Salome brought spices that they might come and anoint him. Now, why were they anointing him? They were going to anoint his dead body so that it wouldn't stink so much. That's the reality. See, that was their new normal. I'm going to go and I'm, we're going to go anoint the dead, rotting corpse of who we thought was our savior. We're going to try to cover that up with some spices so it doesn't stink quite so bad. See, they thought that was their new normal. Are you living in your stink today? Because that's not normal. It says, they came to anoint him, verse 2, very early in the morning. On the first day of the week, they came to the tomb when the sun had risen. And they said among themselves, watch this, who will roll away the stone from the door of the tomb for us? See, that's a wrong question. See, they should have been asking better questions. This, this is not a good question. But it says when they, when they got there, verse 4 says, but when they looked up, they saw that the stone had been rolled away, for it was very large. Now, I want you to notice that discussion here for a minute. What is their discussion? See, this morning, well, we came in early. We were in here early with Pastor Trevor. And, and our discussion when we walked in the door was, he's alive. He's alive. We're going to celebrate the fact. You know, this morning, if you were up early, there was an unbelievably a beautiful sunrise this morning. And so we were coming down the road towards the church, and we're looking up at the, the pink skies and the blue skies. It's like this is a beautiful morning to celebrate a risen Savior. 
But see, when they came to the tomb, they thought they were going to be anointing the dead body. And they were not asking good questions. They were asking, how are we going to roll away the stone? But they should have said, how is it that we're going to meet Jesus and we're going to worship him? What's he going to look like? What's it going to be like when we cross over into the new normal? What is that? Let's dream a little bit. As we're walking to the tomb, let's just dream a little bit about what life is going to be like with a resurrected Savior. But instead, they were saying, who's going to roll away the stone? See, in our lives too much, we're so focused on the obstacles that are in between us and the promise of God. We're not asking good questions. We, we look at the obstacles. We anticipate. See, these ladies were not even looking at an obstacle. Oh, you guys hear me this morning. Mm. What I'm about to say is for somebody. Because they were not even looking at a real obstacle. Whew. My hair's standing up. They were anticipating an obstacle that did not even exist. Who's going to roll away? The, who's going to roll away the stone? Well, there was no stone to be rolled away. See, they're they're anticipating the obstacle. How many times in our life do we make excuses in anticipation of an obstacle that's going to be in our way? And when we look up, we realize it was never there because God has already moved that thing out of our way. Where is our faith? We need to put our faith in the God who removes the stone, the God who removes the obstacles. See, Jesus came to die for our sins. How do I know? Some of you might be asking, how do I know this morning that I can trust in Jesus? That if I trust in him and I believe in him, that he will remove my sins from me. How can I know? The fact that you can know is because the stone was moved and he was not in there anymore. He said, I'm going to die and I'm going to come back. And when they got there, it says they looked up out of their conversation about the obstacle that wasn't even there. They look up to the reality of an empty tomb. Now, I know this is a cliche. How do I know that Jesus is the way? How do I know that he's the truth? How do I know that he's the life? Here's the way. Now, if you're in the church for a long time, this is a cliche. But if you don't know this, let me tell you this. If you go to the tomb of Muhammad, he will still be in that tomb. If you go into the tomb of Buddha, he's still in that tomb. I know this is a, I know this is a cliche, but hang with me. Think about what it means. If you go to the tomb of all of the great religious leaders, you will find that they are still in the tomb. But if you go to Israel today and you look at the tomb, you will find that there are no bones in that tomb, that there is no body in that tomb. Because Jesus is the only one that said, I'm going to go up to death. I'm going to look it right in the eye and I'm going to knock it down and I'm going to defeat it and I'm going to come back from that place. And when I come back, what I have done is going to be available to everybody else. So my question to you today is, do you believe in him? Why should I believe? Because he's not in the tomb anymore. He's gone. They, 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 there was no obstacle in their way anymore. Look, your sin is no longer an obstacle for you this morning if you will trust in Jesus. Your, your failure is no obstacle anymore if you will trust in Jesus. The death that you're walking in in your life, in your sin, in your brokenness, is no longer an obstacle if you will just look up and realize that Jesus has already made a way for you to come into new life. See, so many times we, we, we look at all of those obstacles, and we need to stop looking at the obstacle, and we need to look to Jesus. If, if you're in your notes there, we must understand that the pathway to the promise of life is in the death and the resurrection of Jesus. 
So I just want to ask you this question this morning. What obstacle is in your life? I feel dead inside. I have no hope. He's the, he's the hope bringer. He's the hope bringer. He's the one that can restore your peace if you have no peace. He's the one that said he'll supply all your needs. He's the one that said I can, I can restore your marriage if you'll trust me, if you'll look to me. I can restore your marriage. I can bless your kids. I can take care of your addiction. I can, take care of, I can take care of everything that you need me to take care of if you will just stop anticipating the obstacles, stop focusing on the obstacles, and look to Jesus. Because they anticipated an obstacle, but the reality was very different. And verse 4 says, when they looked up, they saw that the stone had been rolled away, for it was very large. Now, I, I always liked that little addendum. A little addendum, right? Why does it say, for it was very large? Because that, you, you, could, you could just read that verse 4 and say, when they looked up, they saw the stone had been rolled away, and you could just stop right there. But, but the, when Mark wrote this book, he said, he adds on there a little bloop, and he says, for it was very large. And I want you to understand today that the enemy, our enemy, is very masterful and making the obstacles between us and God look very large. But if we will simply look to him, we will see how great and awesome he is and how very, very small our obstacles are. We will see how very great the new normal of life is, and we will see how passing and, and gone and fading behind us is the death that we used to live in. See, God always has a plan. He's always got it. He's got a plan for you this morning. He's got a plan for you this morning. Now, in, another, in one of the other Gospels, how did that stone get moved out of the way? That's a good question. That's a better question. How did the stone get moved? In one of the other Gospels, it says that there was an angel, and the angel came and moved away the stone. In fact, it says in the other Gospels, if you read through those, it says that when they came to the tomb, they met the angels at the tomb. Now, now here's, here's my question this morning. Do you think that Jesus was dead in the tomb? Hear me. You think Jesus is laying there dead? And on the third day, the father's sitting on his throne, and he's like, oh, no, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? What, I mean, we said that he was coming back, but he's dead. But there's a, but there's a stone in the way. Do you think that Jesus was up there? You know, it's interesting because it seems that every week as we're getting ready for this live stream, one minute before we get ready to go live, something is like out of sorts. So like this morning, the camera was crooked, and we're going, we got to go live, we got to go live. And the camera was crooked, and we couldn't get the camera lined up that, the way that we needed to get it. And it's like, we got to go, we got to go. There's always, there's, there's always something uh, that we don't anticipate. And then at the last moment, it comes up, and it's like, oh, no, we got to get this fixed. So do you think God the Father was sitting on the throne and went, oh, no, it's the third day. We better come up with a plan. And he looked over in the corner, and there was Billy Bob the angel over in the corner sitting there twiddling his thumbs, and he said, hey, Billy Bob, you don't have anything to do. Quick, run down there to the tomb and move that stone out of the way. Quick, because the, the women are coming. The women are coming. Go hurry. Do you think that's what? No. See, the word of God says that Jesus was the lamb that was slain from the foundations of the world. 
God had a plan from the very beginning. See, God knew that they would be walking up that path that day. And he knew which angel, before, before there was even anything going on down here in this world, God already knew which angels he was going to send down there. Which angel was going to move the stone? He knew which soldiers were going to be around there. He knew which stone. He created the stone that was going to be in front of the tomb. He knew who the leader of Rome was going to be. He knew the cross, the tree of the cross that Jesus would be crucified on. God had a plan. He always has a plan. And that day, the plan went off without a hitch. And I want to tell you this today, that God's plan for your life is about ready to go off without a hitch. But you have to look to him. You have to look to him. You have to look away from the enormity of your problems and look to the enormity of who Jesus is. You have to look away from the enormity of death and look to the enormity of life that we receive through Jesus Christ and through Jesus Christ alone. In your notes this morning, I did something that is, is different than what I normally do. The last thing on your notes there is not something that you fill in a word. It's a question. It's a question. And we're getting ready to wrap up. I'm going to have the worship team come back up. And we're going to get ready to take communion this morning. But I want you to take a moment and I want you to reflect on this question. What is the very large thing that is in your way today? See, they said the stone was very large. So I want you to ask, you that, that, ask yourself that question. What is the very large thing that is in your way today? Because I'm here to tell you today that there is an obstacle-moving God who is ready to show up in your life today. Now listen to me this morning. It may be that the biggest, largest obstacle in your life is that you have not come into that relationship with Jesus. I want to share this with you as a truth this morning. Hear me, that the wages of sin is death. The wages of sin is an eternity separated from God who loves you. And again, you might say, I don't know if I believe all that. Let me tell you something. Your belief or your unbelief does not affect the truth. And that very large obstacle in front of you this morning may very well be that I am dead in my sin. And I want to tell you this morning that there is a way out. There's a way out right now. You don't have to wait. You don't have to wait till tomorrow. You don't have to wait till tonight. You don't have to wait till you can get to a church and pray with the preacher or any, anywhere. You, you can find your way out right now. Well, how do I do that? If the obstacle in your life this morning, the very large thing in your life is your sin. I'm going to pray a prayer with you in just a moment. And I want you to pray this prayer with me. Now, typically speaking, I would say, just raise your hand or come up to the front if you want to pray this prayer. But I cannot see you today. But it makes no difference whether I can see you because wherever you're watching and you're listening today, I want you to know that God sees you because he's right there with you. And, and if you will say, the very large obstacle in my life is my sin. We're going to pray a prayer, and I want you to pray that with me. For, for some of you, the very large obstacle might be that you used to walk with God, but then life got in the way. 
Let, let me let me say something to you this morning. Sometimes prodigals walk away from God because of very real things that happen. Sometimes life kicks you right in the face, and it causes you to question God. And it causes you to think, I wonder if God really does love me. I wonder if all this stuff really is true. And you didn't just walk away for the sake of walking away. You walked away because life kicked you right in the teeth. And I want to let you know this morning that God still loves you. And he's not, he's not, he's not mad at you this morning. He loves you. And he's saying, just come home. I'm here. So if the very large obstacle in your way is that you used to walk with God and you walked away, I'm going to want you to join in this prayer. So if you're, if you're saying, for the first time, I need Jesus in my life. I want this love. I don't, I don't want death. I don't want hell. I don't want the grave. I want life. I want love. Then I want you to pray with me. If you've walked away from God and you say, today's the day that I want to come back, I want you to pray this prayer with me. Just say this out loud. If there's someone in your house, don't worry about them. This in between them. That person sitting next to you, they're irrelevant to this. This is between you and God. This is between you and God. So don't worry about what anybody sitting around you is thinking. Just pray this prayer. Say, Jesus, I believe that you died for me. I believe that you lived a sinless life. And I realize that I have not lived a sinless life. I am a sinner, and I confess that my sin separates me from you, that it's an obstacle between me and you, and I want to see that obstacle removed right now, and so I ask you to come into my life, forgive me of my sin, fill me with your Holy Spirit, and lead me, show me the path of life that you want me to walk on. And I'll follow you for the rest of my days. I believe in you. I trust you. I give my life to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Now listen, if you prayed that prayer this morning, you just stepped into a new normal. Now, now hear what I'm saying. Your life before you prayed that prayer it's completely new. See, when those women came to that tomb, they expected death, but they found life. And if you prayed that prayer and you believed what you just prayed, if you believed on Jesus, you just stepped from death into life. If you have walked away from God and you're coming back today, you're no longer a prodigal. No, do not identify anymore with the life of, that you walked away you need to identify with a new normal, that life has come to me, that love has come to me. And if you'll do that, your life will never be the same. Now listen, before we, we're going to worship, we're going to take communion, I want to just say one more thing. Maybe there's a different, very large obstacle in your life this morning. Maybe it's not about sin. Maybe it's not about any of that. Maybe it's a financial situation. Maybe it's a your marriage. Listen, God is the restorer of marriages. Maybe it's your children you're, you're concerned about. Maybe it's your job. Maybe it's the 
coronavirus pandemic that's got you all anxious, whatever that large thing is that's between you and God right now, we're going to pray a prayer and we're going to give it to him. Now, here's the thing. I want to do a symbolic thing this morning. I know this is weird, but nobody else is going to see it, but whoever's in your house, so who cares, right? I want you to just symbolically. There's, there's nothing spiritual, mystical about this. Do not misunderstand me. This is, this, this is all symbolic. I want you to take that large thing in your hand right now, whatever it is, my job, my family, my life. I just want you to take it, and we're going to offer that thing to God right now. So I know, this, I know this is weird, but it's just an act of faith. That's all. It's an act of faith. So I want you to lift that up, and I want you to pray this prayer. Jesus, I believe that you are the God that removes obstacles. So, Father, I lift up this thing. In my life, it is very large. But I know that through the eyes of God that this is nothing. So today I give it to you. Just say it out loud, whatever it is. Whatever it is, just say it out loud. I give you my marriage. I give you my life. I give you my job. I give it to you right now. I leave this at the foot of your throne. And while I'm reaching up to you, I'm just going to grab your peace. And I'm going to bring that peace right back down into my life. I receive your peace this morning. I receive the truth that you are the God who supplies every need. I receive the truth that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I receive the truth that my marriage can be restored, that my family can be restored, that my finances can be taken care of. I leave the obstacle with you, God, and I receive your peace, and I receive your promise. In Jesus' name, amen. Now listen to me. If you just prayed that prayer, do not leave this online service today and then go grab that back again. You leave that thing at the throne of God, and you let him take care of it. Well, what do I do? You follow him. You follow Jesus. You do what he says to do. Say what he says to say. Go where he says to go. And if you'll do that, he'll take care of that, that, that very large thing that is no longer very large. So if you did that, I want you to understand also that you just walked into a new normal. You don't need to worry about that thing anymore. Receive the righteousness, the peace, and the joy of the Holy Spirit this morning. Amen? Amen. We're going to worship.